Hello, and welcome to the 43rd episode of Adam Alonzi's podcast. Please check out the links to the International Longevity Alliance and the Major Mouse Testing Program included in the description. Alright. So it seems strange that very few people have paid much attention to this problem, even though, as you mentioned, we have overcome most all of the infectious diseases that used to kill us on a regular basis. Yes, well, I think um, that's actually one of the reasons um, medicine has become quite good at uh, fighting infectious diseases. And when you discuss with medical doctors, have been trained uh, to see medicine as about curing and treating uh, acute diseases, not chronic diseases. And so, in fact, aging was not considered by them as a disease uh, because they were uh, filtering out what a disease is by looking at acute issues um, and infections. Um, and so when we say, well, aging may be a disease or may be treated as a disease, um, that's out of the box for this type of uh, vision uh, that we had to develop very strongly because that's that were the most reasons for us to uh, suffer and die uh, up to uh, uh, a few decades ago um, or, yes, up to 100 years ago. Uh, so now we have those chronic diseases and aging conditions and we probably don't have the right means that we have developed to face them. Uh, for example, we usually wait until we have a very bad condition, suddenly a very strong uh, dose of treatment. Uh, but perhaps uh, what we see is through the mice that we are able to make live much longer in a healthy state than, say, if we were applying to them what we do, what we do to, for us. Um, so what we're discovering is that these mice we can extend their health uh, uh, for a very long period of time by giving small doses of treatment on a regular way before they have really a bad health. Uh, so it's called preventive medicine in a way. Um, and, and this is new because uh, uh, often we don't want to take a treatment if we don't have a disease or if we don't have a severe disease. Um, but perhaps actually uh, it would be much better uh, to prevent and to stay in good health. Um, so there is this and uh, to the prevention and the fact that uh, uh, when we age, our body degrades uh, in many ways and, and uh, it can be treated. Uh, so it was out of the box because we were thinking of the diseases and, and well, just 200 years ago, um, half of the children were not reaching adulthood. So that was where the efforts were. Uh, today, it's very rare for someone to die, say, before the age of 65. And when it happens, it's a tragedy, but it was normal before. Uh, so that's why, uh, well, society is slowly shifting to the current needs, uh, but we still see everywhere that people want to improve uh, the fight for lots of uh, diseases that today are not so uh, um, prominent. Uh, today, what we really die of and what we really suffer is uh, cancers, Alzheimer's, and all the chronic and aging diseases. And for that, um, we haven't developed the right tools so far. 
This is why with basic fundamental science, we have been able to uh, see what uh, drugs do on a short-term basis, for example, but not on a long-term basis, not on chronic and aging. Uh, so the best way we have found is just to test in mice. And mice, it's a, it's a model, will tell us what is happening over the long term and what works. So this is why we think it's uh, there is an urgency facing the uh, I would say aging epidemics uh, uh, to uh, to test the solutions uh, because uh, we don't know we have uh, good guesses of what is going to work but we need to check and then we can work them in mice and in humans um, and we can extend the healthy and productive lifespan uh, by many decades. Uh, and perhaps many centuries, we will see. It's difficult to announce it in advance, but uh, uh, certainly many decades, yes, and then we hope much more. In a way, medicine at this time is missing the forest by looking at the trees. Exactly, exactly. The trees were uh, some time ago the forest, but there is another forest behind, which is aging and chronic diseases, and people are not seeing it. And there are a few different approaches. Some people talk about gene therapy, others mention stem cells, others are looking at more sophisticated delivery systems for pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, and so in fact they may not be so different. Uh, for example, uh, our body is uh, coded with genes. Uh, it's our natural um, body expression. Um, genes will do things. Genes will improve the uh, increase uh, the production of some proteins, uh, for example. Uh, but drugs will also alter uh, the ways proteins work. Uh, the difference is that drugs are like a little bump. They come from the outside world. It's a chemical product. And the body is not made to react well to such drugs. So we have to make a lot of efforts for drugs to work well, and we have a lot of side effects. So the hope is that with gene therapy, we can achieve the same thing, but with much less side effects. People are sometimes afraid of gene therapy because it's like changing the body. Um, well, yes and no. Uh, when we have a sore throat, for example, 20% of, of the time it is an adeno-associated virus, uh, the same one that is used to make a gene therapy. So it just occurs to us when we have a sore throat um, and it's acting quite efficiently. Um, so, so that's one way to deliver drugs, so to say, uh, and perhaps a better way. And there are indeed some uh, techniques uh, that cannot be just addressed with uh, genes or drugs, or maybe it can, but it's complex. Um, and so we may want other aspects. So I'm giving an example, regrowing the thymus. Uh, when we are young, we have a thymus that makes our immune system and nature has found that if we keep it for too long, it becomes toxic. And so nature has uh, make it, uh, made it uh, disappear at the age of 30. As a result, when we are old, we don't have a thymus and we have the immune system that we have developed when we were young. Uh, but it's, uh, it was long ago and our immune system is weak. Uh, so we need to grow the thymus again. And here, for now, we have some techniques that are not drugs, that are not uh, 
gene therapies, but they, they, they seem to work. And those are types of things that we need to, to test in mice and in humans. Um, and of course, we could imagine also uh, um, a surgery. Surgery is neither gene therapy nor drug. It's another way of intervening, perhaps a more direct way. Right. And in the case of gene therapy and in drug delivery, specificity and increasing sophistication are both extremely important. Myostatin inhibitor, for instance, would be wonderful for skeletal muscle, maybe not so much for cardiac tissue. Right, exactly. So, in fact, uh, gene therapy is a new way to uh, access uh, the body to make changes like drugs that we are using so far and uh, it's the beginnings so now since uh, well it, for two years we are able to do some gene therapies that are extremely controlled it's almost like a copy paste on the computer um, and uh, uh, this is why it is now uh, going fast uh, but uh, it has taken us a lot of time to find that And as we mentioned earlier, although the recording may not have turned out very well there, there are numerous small interventions that can mitigate the aging process, even though in and of itself it's extremely complex. We can do a great deal even at this time to slow it. Absolutely. Uh, today we know in mice and we start to know in humans too that small doses of aspirin is good. Uh, so, of course, it's on a statistical basis. Some people may be more sensitive to side effects than others. But globally speaking, it's good for health. It reduces lots of uh, issues. We know that physical activity is good. We know that uh, metformin is good. Um, we know that... Uh, uh, so when I say we know, it's always, you know, it's science. So we, we have to measure, we have to test. And so then we have a degree of certitude depending on how many people have been tested, in what conditions, etc. But here we really have a high high degree now of, uh, of evidence. Um, so because, for example, for metformin, we have uh, millions of people that have been using metformin. And out of those data, we can, there were some different people who found that people who are taking metformin, although it's primarily used for diabetes, those people, they have less mortality rates than even the general population, than non-diabetics people. Um, so we do have some means to go further uh, in humans. Uh, but uh, this is uh, the, the very beginning concept uh, that we can prevent aging and chronic diseases, and we can even um, restore health and restore regeneration. Um, and so perhaps uh, aging will end uh, sometime soon uh, because we will uh, um, unleash the natural body capacities to restore itself and we will improve it. Um, and so it's uh, simply that the the, the field uh, is, is new. Uh, um, there has been uh, uh, for always people have tried to fight disease and aging, but it's only very recently that it has become a science. And I remember biogerontology when I got interested in it, in it maybe in the year 2000. Um, it wasn't really a science at that time. So that's why it's really so new. Um, and now things are going very fast because there is uh, 
Well, it's it's actually quite easy. It's it's quite easy because no one has uh, really uh, too much effort on it before. Only a few people here and there, not labs, not clinical trials. Um, and so it's starting now. In a sense, evolution has already given us many of the tools we need. Absolutely. We just have to learn how to <clears throat> tap into them. Exactly. That's exactly it. And in fact, some animals um, uh, don't age or we think they don't age. And, uh, well, it may be different from us in terms of shape, uh, but uh, uh, still uh, what we can see is that uh, they have some things in common. Uh, typically, they constantly regenerate and they constantly remove uh, the old parts of their body. Uh, so I could take some examples that most people don't know, uh, but I could take also an example that most people know. We can take trees. Um, trees, they have have their um, the outside of the tree of the trunk um, is renewed every year. This is why when we cut a tree, we see the circles, uh, um, and the outside is living, but the inside is uh, is, is dead. It's it's wood, um, and the inside is like the uh, the waste of the old body that is growing outside, um, and so it's a continuous regeneration. And so this is why the trees can uh, can live so long. And we have some rockfish, for example, that also live uh, for uh, hundreds of, of years. Um, and they constantly repair and they uh, either isolate like the trees or remove the old parts of the bodies. And so this is why we think that synolytics, uh, which we want to try here out of other promising solutions, uh, may do a great deal to our health because our body is not equipped with this system. It um, keeps the old cells that start to uh, make lots of issues to increase inflammation, to increase uh, the risk of cancers uh, because they are old and they have accumulated lots of issues. So if we can destroy um, the, the large accumulation of senescent cells, uh, for our body to naturally replace them with something new, uh, with its uh, stem cells. Um, so as if when we were 20 or 30 years old, uh, then we will be healthy because we will have uh, uh, renewed muscles, uh, renewed, renewed bones, uh, eyes. Uh, um, most of the body is able to regenerate at a different speed, but uh, a speed that uh, is uh, too slow when we are old. Yes, the proof for all of this comes from other species. For instance, if you compare a mouse to a naked mole rat, two similarly sized organisms, but one lives up to 30 years and displays negligible senescence. Right. And uh, some animals, like the hydra, uh, do not age. Uh, what they do is that they constantly, they have a simple body shape that's so easier uh, and the, the center is uh, growing and the uh, when we go outside of the center, it's moving to the outside uh, slowly and slowly. Um, and when it's too far from the center, it's just uh, 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 thrown away, thrown away. Uh, so it's uh, regeneration and destruction of the uh, old cells. 
then again, though, there is quite a bit of distance between a human being and a hydra. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But uh, yes, but uh, the, the mechanisms here uh, highlight that uh, uh, just like a, an old car to, uh, of which we replace the parts uh, can stay longer. We still have cars that were built uh, many years ago. They were not... Uh, uh, meant to live so long, so to say, uh, but people have uh, taken care of them and replaced the, the the old parts with new parts. And as you were saying, uh, evolution has given us the the tools. Uh, we are lucky to have the tools to regenerate. And the only thing is that it's uh, poisoned by other systems that nature has also put in place. Uh, but nature is naturally guilty because our ancestors were not living long, so uh, uh, it was not asked to make us uh, um, correctly balanced. And with time, we are not well equilibrated. We need to to rectify the the balance. One of the things in regenerating tissues, and if I remember correctly, certain species of salamanders display it, and certain plants is an increased expression of telomerase. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so there is much uh, uh, unknown about telomerase, but we do see uh, that uh, mice, typically, uh, to whom we extend uh, the telomeres to the end of the chromosomes, liver, and are healthier. Um, so this was, for example, done with the gene therapy, and the mice, from what I remember, lived 23% longer, uh, which seems to be quite good al already for a first start, because uh, sometimes we find such a life extension, and if we dig around, we, it might be much better, like finding the right dose of a treatment. Um, we, we, we clearly don't really know exactly why, or rather, we can always explain why, but uh, in biology uh, and in, in medicine, it's always easy to find an explanation of what you see, but if it's the right explanation, it's difficult to know. Um, so telomerase, some people thought at some point that uh, uh, activating it, so telomerase, that's the enzyme, uh, the the thing that makes the end of the chromosomes longer. Some people thought that it would be bad to extend the, the end of the chromosomes, uh, that perhaps the cells could divide too frequently and lead to cancers. Uh, but the fact is that uh, uh, it doesn't appear to, to be so. And so one explanation, but uh, as I was just said, it's an explanation, is that uh, when the end of the chromosomes are not long enough, uh, it uh, generates uh, genome instability and cancer. So that's why we actually need to have longer ends of chromosomes. And some people have said, well, it's all balanced already in the body. Look, and that's true. There is a lot of balance. Uh, but uh, the, the, the balance was certainly chosen, uh, fitted by a natural selection uh, in order to be healthy until the, the age of maybe 30 years, 40 years. Uh, so when we live much longer, probably the balance is not right and we need to adapt it. Right, and there are a lot of people who think of cancer essentially as a roll of the dice, something that may or may not happen. But if that was the case, we would expect larger animals to develop cancer more frequently than smaller ones. But 
what we find is that, as a general rule, larger animals live longer. So here, um, yes, but um, I think we start to, well, at least it's a feeling that we have a, some um, explanation that uh, explains um, larger animals, uh, they were selected by evolutions to be large, and so they have uh, a sort of life cycle that is uh, that requires time just because they need to be large in order to be adult, and uh, so it takes time to grow, etc., and so um, nature has equipped them with ways to live longer just because of their uh, um, life cycle. Uh, so depending on whether an animal has a lot of uh, progeny or not, uh, it's going to live more or less long. Depending on whether an animal has a lot of predators or not, it's going to live more or less long. And so large animals, they typically have less predators just because they are large. And... Uh, to sort of virtual virtual cycle, sorry, uh, where large animals uh, will naturally, with time and selection, uh, tend to be better equipped with respect to aging. And indeed, if we look at whales, for, for example, who live who are large and live very long, um, nature has equipped them with lots of systems to uh, avoid cancer and other aging diseases. Um, and so uh, it's rather because evolution has sort of decided to make them uh, big and live long, that uh, nature has also found the way uh, to, uh, to equip them with anti-aging systems that are usually better than ours. And so this is why someone in the UK, for example, recently uh, looked at the genome of the whales in order to look for solutions that they have implemented in their coding system, so to say, that we don't have. Uh, and so this is one of the many uh, promising uh, tools that we, we think uh, may uh, increase our lifespan and health span by a lot. Right. Yeah, the systems are all there for us. Exactly. It just takes a very patient bioinformaticist. <clears throat> yes. And others. Patient or active. And the trouble is that uh, uh, there is not enough research. Uh, but in fact, uh, uh, if you look around you, uh, uh, what fraction of society works on that? Very little. Uh, what fraction of society works on biomedical research? Very little, although it's it's very important. Uh, health is very important. So uh, the system is not perhaps well, uh, the here the economic system, right? The social system uh, doesn't put enough people in biomedical research. That's, of course, my, my point of view. And even then, within biomedical research, uh, things are... Uh, improving, adapting, we could say with time. Uh, we have uh, two people working on aging um, and people are working on things that used to be important in the past. Um, we should now work on things that matter for people. But for those listening, understand that this is a massive and looming industry. And so if you want to be the next Rockefeller or Carnegie, this might be your shot. Absolutely. So that's when things are changing, and clearly things are changing now. It's interesting because even five years ago, or maybe 10 years ago, people were not seeing the aging tsunami 
although it was obvious, uh, unless the people were going to die at the age of 60 or 70, the aging tsunami was already there in advance. It was, it was mathematics. And uh, also solutions to aging, uh, well, it was obvious from, from the labs that we had uh, ways to make uh, uh, worms and, and mice live longer and that is going to happen to humans. Uh, but it was it was new, and so people, uh, when there's something new, it's like when they drive they drive fast on the freeway. They 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 don't see it. There's something on the street. It's not meant to be there. They don't see it. Um, and so now suddenly, oh, they see it. And so that's why suddenly we have uh, people realizing that there is a, a well. Um, Everyone is going to be affected by aging, and it's a lot of people, and there are solutions, and so there is going to be a huge business. And so we are in this transition period where people are discovering that's that's what we need to do, and there's business for that. And so society is going to adapt, and within the next perhaps five years or ten years, then we will have enough people working on that. So it's the, the transition is happening now. And some of the specific compounds like rapamycin that is your positive control in the trials yes mm -hmm. and there are a few others mm -hmm. unfortunately i do not know how to pronounce them so i'm going to let you do that mm -hmm. okay uh so one of them is uh, alk5 right so that's uh ALK5 anyway, uh, it's uh, what we're saying about regenerating the body. It is something that uh, uh, removes the old cells of the body in order to make room for new ones. And it's the same with desatinib and quercetin. And also we have some rapalogs. So that's something like rapamycin. So rapamycin, most people uh, in the field think that it's uh, slowing down uh, the the division of cells um, and it's making them recycle their inside as if you were cleaning your room so that it results in less cancers because the cancer cells divide more slowly and it results also in improved robust cells because of the cleaning inside uh, like you clean, cleaning the room in fact the biggest effect of rapamycin probably uh, due to that in fact is uh, is uh, not that exactly it's rather that it is slowing down the uh, division of cells the body really notices it and within a few weeks the body uh, asks the stem cells to make new ones to, to be active, to compensate for the lack of cell division. And when it reaches uh, equilibrium, so which means uh, a normal number of cell divisions for the last layer of cells, this equilibrium is different from what was happening before because you have a lot more active stem cells, underlying stem cells, and a much bigger pool of intermediate cells. What does this mean? It means that if you have cut format in the mice, but also in people taking those drugs, um, then there are a lot of underlying cells ready to repair the cuts. Um, and so we are seeing uh, in various models, of, so for now it's only models, it's not uh, full evidence in humans, uh, that uh, the new equilibrium of the body reached with rapamycin is going to repair neurons 
So Alzheimer's, we have Alzheimer models where uh, rapamycin seems to uh, cure Alzheimer's. Uh, so, of course, we don't know if it's going to work in humans. It's only a big hope. But we do see a lot of things going on with rapamycin and what we call rapalox, just because it's changing the equilibrium of the body towards a bigger pool of cells that are ready to intervene in case of issues. Um, and so one of the examples is not rapamycin, but something very close called everolimus, uh, that is currently being tested uh, as an adjutant of the flu in Apple. So the flu vaccine, sorry. Um, the flu vaccine, why? Because when you are old, remember, you don't have your thymus anymore. You have lost it when you were 30 years ago. So you start to have a weak immune system. And the vaccine responds a bit less well. And we would like the vaccine to be... To, to, to make you react and, and, and be protected from the flu uh, more often. And so when you give rapamycin or everolimus, it's going to change your equilibrium towards having more underlying cells ready to intervene, more cells ready to make your new immune system, for example. And as a, as a result, what we have seen in the first large clinical trial is that those who were taking Everolimus, so those treatments, for a few weeks, then if they have a, a flu vaccine, they respond twice as well because they have a better immune system, because they are in a much more active mode, in a, in a much less passive mode. So it's interesting um, the aging process where the body uh, slowly stops to regenerate. And kirsidin is <clears throat> a familiar compound to many people. Right. Ipanab all a day to keep the doctor away. <laughs> There's kirsidin in, in apples. Um, and uh, in fact, the mixture of uh, desatinib and quercetin for some reasons that are not fully obvious yet, but it's observed in vitro and in vivo, uh, is uh, able to kill the senescent cells quite well. We still have to discover exactly why. Uh, it is just uh, an observed fact. If it works... We can't complain too much. But yes, we must understand why, of course, of course. Yes or no. You know, when things <laughs> work, you know, the goal is to be healthy. We don't really know why physical activity is good, you know. When you look at it from a, from a biological point of view, uh, you have an increased heart rate. Uh, you have, uh, you break your muscles, your bones. And that's actually what probably what is good about uh, physical activity. Um, or, or maybe it's something else. Um, so, um, so because some things are going to break the bones and the muscles and will be bad, and others will be good because the repair system will be different and will improve the repair mechanisms. So we, we believe that uh, physical activity is good because uh, after damaging your body, your body repairs, it's always the same, destroying the old parts to make new parts. Um, but that's just an explanation. Yes, and if there was a grain of truth to the wear and tear theories, including oxidative damage theories, then exercise should shorten life. Exactly. 
So, so well, the, uh, but the fact is, when it works, uh, that's good, <laughs> and it's better that things work rather than the than when we explain them. And this endeavor is extremely practical, and you're working on a comparatively tight budget, at least for a scientific venture. Yes. But the benefits could be enormous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because our goal, of course, is not to extend the life of mice, which, uh, which is great, but uh, <laughs> that's our lives and the lives of the people we know and the healthy lives. Uh, our, so uh, it happens that the mice to whom we test have a slight bias. They have more cancers than we do. Uh, so uh, testing on them uh, is going primarily to to fight cancer, but it's also going to fight other diseases uh, diseases of aging. Uh, it's, it's it's the health need, the real one today, uh, and and we could could so really make a, a life longer for people to have much bigger projects in their lives. And so it's going to take time, of course, like everything, because even if we had the solution today. Uh, well, people are not going to be 200 years tomorrow, but uh, in 100 years or 150 years, depending on your age. Uh, so things are going to take time, but the solutions are going to happen. Uh, but, well, they are going to happen <clears throat> if we do such things, because if we don't do them, they don't appear naturally. Currently, um, every year, there are only a few robust mouse lifespan tests, uh, whereas every year we discover... 100 ways uh, of we think uh, may be good for health. Um, so we need this step that is currently uh, um, undervaluated, uh, testing towards humans. Uh, 